Hello, and thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Gary Ellert here at Grace Bible Fellowship in Front Royal, Virginia. Teaching from the book of Hebrews, Pastor Gary Ellert shows us that God has solved the problem with sin and has also solved the problem with the source, the old you, which died when you accepted Christ as your Savior. It's not an apology or confession that brings forgiveness of sin, but only the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Here's Pastor Gary with more. My subject this morning is God solved the problem. Now, most all born-again believers, they know that God has solved the problem with sin. And that was done through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 9, 22, the Bible says, and according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So we understand that we have been forgiven once for all of our sins, past, present, and future. It's the blood that brings forgiveness of sin. Like the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So it's not an apology or a confession that brings forgiveness. That doesn't do it. It's a blood sacrifice is the only thing that brings forgiveness of sin. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died once and he shed his blood for all sin. In Hebrews 10.10, the Bible tells us, by this will we have been sacrificed through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And notice verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected for all times those who are sanctified. Now, you've heard me say many times, and you'll hear it again this morning, that who you are in Christ. And the Bible says that you are perfect forever. And a lot of people say, wait a minute, perfect forever? I don't feel perfect forever. But notice, let's read the text again. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are there. You are sanctified, and he has perfected you forever, forever. Not only has God solved the sin problem, <clears throat> he's taken away our sins, and he has forgotten them, as we will soon discover, but <clears throat> he has solved the problem with the source, and that is the old you. The person you were before you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. When you accepted him, your old identity died. The old man, the Bible refers to, died. It was everything about the former you that died. And he replaced you, he replaced in you, a loving new 
godly you. And that's who we'll discover how he did that and why he did that to us. In Christ, at salvation, you were given a new heart. You were given a new human spirit. And you were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what happened to you when you said yes to Christ. By the indwelling Christ, he longs to express himself through you and to have fellowship with you. Christ shed his blood for the forgiveness of sin. Christ gave his body to give you a new identity, a child of the living God. Christ gave his spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit, so you can grow and learn. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will counsel you, he will comfort you, he will lead you in the path of all righteousness. The first Sunday of every month here at Grace Bible Fellowship, we are reminded of that when we have communion, when we partake of the Lord's Supper. The bread represents Christ's body in which God crucified our self-centered sin nature. That's what happened to you when you were born again. Your self-centered nature was crucified. That old man and recreated you into a new creature in him. The Bible says, Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So the Bible says that you are his workmanship and you were created to do good works. This is not something that you have to put a lot of effort in. This is you. This is part of you. You were created to do good works. In other words, you were created to love people. You were created to help people. That is you. That is who you are. And you can't run away from it. It's who you are. This is your identity. You are a brand new person in Christ. And you desire to do his will. It's not hard for you to do God's will. It's part of who you are. It's only natural that you would want to do God's will. In 2 Corinthians 5, the Bible says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. And new things are coming to you every day because of who you are. You are a child of God. That's what the Bible says. He is now your life. He wants to express through you what the Father expressed through Jesus Christ. And that will bring love and healing to this planet of ours. So let's see what the Bible says about you. It says, therefore, 
There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, the Bible is saying there is no guilt. Why isn't there no guilt? Because our fundamental belief in what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he died for sin. And when we sin as believers, no sooner can we say anything than it's already been forgiven and forgotten. That's why we live without guilt. We live without it because we know that we live in a state of forgiveness. Then the Bible says in Romans 15, 7, therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. So we have no condemnation. We've been accepted. And now the Bible says that we are complete. And in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. So the Bible says that when you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you were made complete. And I know what you're thinking. There's certainly nothing complete about my life. If you think I'm complete, you spend a day with me, and you'll find out that I'm not complete. But the Bible says we are complete. And then the Bible says here, in uh, <clears throat> Ephesians 1:4, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. So now the Bible says that you are chosen. You responded to his leading and guiding. And you responded to him. And now the Bible says, because you responded to him, you are holy and blameless. I'm not asking you if you feel holy and blameless. I'm just saying what God says you are. You are holy and blameless. And then the Bible says that you were sealed, that you have peace with God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that? That when you said yes to Christ, Christ made a commitment to you that he would guard your heart and your mind. He would guard that for you. Then the Bible says, in him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So the Bible says you have nothing to worry about. Your salvation is secured. It's locked in. It's sealed unto the day of redemption. It's because you heard the gospel, you listened to it, and then you believed it, and you said yes to Christ, and he sealed you unto the day of redemption. Then the Bible says in 2 Peter 1, 3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. All of these things are there for us. He has given us everything in life and godliness. And how has he done this? Through a true knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
That's how it's done. Then the Bible says, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Wow, what a wonderful God we have. He not only forgives us, but he forgets it. I can't tell you through the years that I spent in evangelism how many thousands of people there were that are afraid of the judgment. They are afraid that they have to appear before the judgment bar of God and give an account of the way that they live their life. And here the Bible says, in their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Not going to happen to the Christian. The Christian has already passed through the judgment. The moment he said yes to Christ, he's passed through it. Do you see it? All these scriptures are given to you by birth, not by performance. No, we fail too many times. It's given to us by birth. When a sinner gets saved, he does not become a sinner saved by grace. The Bible says that he becomes a saint who sometimes sins. Fifty-six times in the New Testament, after the cross, the word born again refers to people who are called saints. And that's what every one of us are here this morning. We are saints. God never intended you to try your best to live the Christian life. That was never, never his option. He placed his spirit within you to live his life through you to bring honor and glory to his name. He does his work of ministry on earth through us, through each one of you. God has equipped you, and this is what he's done. Ezekiel 36, 26 this is how God has equipped you. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. You notice that that spirit is lowercase, meaning the human spirit. I will put a new human spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And then the Bible says in verse 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you, cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. So the Bible says that when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you receive a new heart, a new human spirit. And that new heart, that new human spirit, that is you at your deepest core. And he says that he will cause you. He will incentive you to walk according to the spirit. He does it all. He does it all. When Jesus was crucified and was resurrected, he remained on planet Earth for 40 days. And then he ascended to the right hand of the father. Then the Bible tells us, Paul tells us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, 
made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now you probably have heard, if you've been a churchgoer, most of you have, you've probably heard many, many times that you are hidden, hidden with Christ in God, with God. Where are you hidden? The Bible says here that you're in heavenly places. So spiritually, you committed your life to Christ. Spiritually, you're already seated in the heavenly places. So your, your salvation is locked in. It's secure. He's done his work. He's changed your heart. He's given you a new human spirit. You are locked in. He's given you every incentive to want to do what his desires are. And the truth is, every one of us want to. Every one of us here want to. So the Bible says in Colossians 3, 1 through 3, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then the Bible says, set your minds on the things above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So let me sum it up for us. You are a new creation in Christ. You are holy. You are righteous. You are a delight to God. You have been forgiven and your sins have been forgotten as far as the east is to the west. They will never come up again. And spiritually, you are seated in heaven. Now, do you believe this? That's the real question that the believer is confronted with. Well, I believe the Bible. That's wonderful. But do you believe this? Or do you believe something like this? You know, I know what the Bible says. I know the Bible says I'm holy, but I feel like I'm unholy much of the time. I know the Bible says that I'm righteous, but I feel unrighteous most of the time because I've still got some issues. I'm working on it, but I still have some issues. And no way do I feel complete. You'll never convince me that I'm complete because I certainly don't feel complete at all. I know that God loves me, but I'm not sure that I'm his delight. Yeah, he, he loves me, he loves everybody, but I don't know that he delights in having me as one of, one of his children. I'm on my way to heaven. I believe that um, <clears throat> because I believe in once saved, always saved. I believe in eternal security. So yeah, I, yeah, I believe that 
one day uh, I'll be in heaven. But sometimes I, I question because most of the Christian world, they believe you can lose your salvation. So, um, but I, no, no, I believe that, that I'm, I'm pretty solid there. And I'm just hoping that everything is going to work out. I'm just hoping that I'm right, that I'm rock solid in Christ. Here is the issue. Are we going to believe what God says is true about who we are? Or are we going to go by our feelings? And so I want to, for you to see this morning the world's operating system for living out life. Now, we go through a process. I can remember when I gave my life to Christ. I was in an evangelistic meeting. The evangelist called for people to give their life to Christ. I had no earthly idea what I was doing. I just was, I was wrapped up in a lot of emotions. I was just new out of the Marine Corps, just had a lot of problems going through my head, uh, what uh, I had witnessed and went through. And so um, I just know that I, I needed some sort of help. And I remember saying to God, uh, I don't know if you're really there or if it's all true, but if it is, I just, I guess I need some help. And uh, so that was my sinner's prayer, I guess. And uh, so I ended up going forward and giving my life to Christ. But I wasn't sure what I just did. I just wasn't sure. I didn't know. I didn't understand it. I knew I kind of felt different. But I really didn't understand the world's way of processing is something like this. We think, and we sort of process whatever decision we have, um, and, and then we, we feel, and we think, well, you know, I really feel this is what I should do, or I really, yeah, I, I feel that this is right. And, and so then we choose. And so we, we think, processing, process our thinking, and then we feel whether it's right or whether it's wrong, and then we choose. That's the world way of functioning. Um, God's way is a little bit different. We think, and we begin to set our mind as we're thinking. Um, and once we set our mind, then we choose, and then we feel. A lot of times after I've gone through the process, I think to myself, afterwards, after I made the decision, I think, oh, I wonder if that was the right decision I made. I wonder if I should have done that. But then there's a scripture that always comes to my mind when I go through that process, that all things work for good for those who love God. And then I can leave it. I can leave it because I believe it, that all things. I may have made the wrong decisions, and I have many times, 
but they have always turned out to be good without question. And so God's way is different. We think and we process and we set our mind and then we make the choice and then we feel. A lot of times, you know, we, when we come to choices, we think something's on sale. One time I, I said to my wife, uh, uh, I said, Judy, I said, uh, don't buy anything on sale. We can't afford to save any more money. And I just said it jokingly, but she was buying things off the uh, shopping channel on TV. And so we have a, we have a tendency to think that uh, when we process our thinking, uh, our feelings get all wrapped up and, and most of our choices are made made by feelings. Where if we do it the other way, then we, the first thing we do is the Holy Spirit is working in us and through us. And the first thing we do is that, well, can I afford it? Well, no, but it's on sale. But no, I, I can't afford it. So I make a, a logical decision based on the Spirit of God working within me. And then I, then, then I choose and then I feel. A lot of times I feel, wow, I wonder if I did the right thing. And then that scripture comes. All things work for good for those who love the Lord. You can choose apart from our feelings. The world says that you're a hypocrite if you choose to live contrary to what you feel. But keep in mind, it's truth, not emotions, that set us free to experience the healing power of God. You can write it down. It'll never fail. God's definition of a hypocrite is pretending to be what you are not. A lot of Christians get confused here. When you act like Christ is expressing his life in you and through you, you are simply acting out reality because Christ does live in you. You're not acting like a phony. You're acting like who you really are. That is the one reason why it's so important that we understand our identity in Christ, who we really believe that we are in Christ. The flesh always seeks for a sign. The flesh loves to have a point where they can point to, a, a point of contact where they can say, yes, I saw God work and I believe God does work. I'll never forget the time, my oldest son, he told me that he went to a meeting that was in a home. It was up here in Northern Virginia. And it was one of these healing sessions that they had. And he said that he saw a leg grow. And came, it was short and it came to the, reg, the, sub, the size that it was supposed to be. He says, Dad, he says, what do you think about that? I said, that must have been a wonderful experience for you. I says, but Gary, I said, 
that doesn't prove anything. It proved what a wonderful experience that was for you, and, and that's good. But we trust and we rest in Jesus Christ, not in any experience that we see or hear about. That's not where we put our confidence. We put our confidence in what the Lord Jesus Christ has given us in his word. Now, some years ago, a faith healer came to Minnesota. That's where I'm originally from. Came to Minneapolis. I was not there at the time. But uh, it was a huge, one of the biggest meetings they've ever had there. And it was a, a, a faith healer who is still very active today. And uh, <clears throat> they had, they wanted some doctors to volunteer. And these doctors, this one young doctor, he volunteered. And he wanted to see the power of God. And so he volunteered and he checked out a certain number of patients and he, he checked them physically and everything. And, and then he gave a report to one of the uh, leaders in the, in the crusade and said, this person has this and this, this and this and, and this is his symptoms and this is what he has or whatever it was. He gave a report, but he also, he, he wrote down the person's name and his address. And so... After the crusade, some of these people were healed. They threw away crutches. They walked out of wheelchairs. It was a wonderful, wonderful thing to behold. And he couldn't believe what he saw. And six months later, he went and he called on these people that he had personally interviewed. And he found to his amazement that there was not one person who was healed. And he found another astonishing fact, that every one of them were worse off psychologically. They did not blame the evangelist. They didn't blame him at all. They blamed themselves for not having enough faith. Now, there are some well-meaning Bible teachers that will tell you that the reason that you have no victory in your life or that you have issues and problems in your life <clears throat> is that what you need is more faith. Now, Jesus said just the opposite. Jesus said, even if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, it would be enough. And the Bible says that every single one of us were given a bushel basket full of faith. A measure of faith. And the Jewish reckoning was a bushel basket full of mustard seeds. You know how much faith that is? Every one of us have enough faith. Faith is not our issue. Not our issue at all. What could be our issue is that we need to know more. Maybe we need more knowledge of the object of our faith. Maybe we need to understand Jesus Christ better than what we do. But I hope that we are not seeking for signs or wonders 
to really, really believe. Now, many believers have cited Philippians 4. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, <clears throat> I've heard many times from some of the NFL players on TV and, and, and everyday life where someone, they, they weren't mechanical and they had to fix something and, they, and so they decided that they were going to try and they prayed about it and all of a sudden they got it fixed. And after it was fixed, they looked to this text, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, the truth is, this text was never designed for a believer to be able to perform any task. It's not what the Bible is speaking about. Again, I'll say, it's not so much what the Bible says that makes a difference. It's what the Bible means when it says it. So when you look at the scripture, let's look at the two scriptures before the two texts. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. And then 12, I know how to get along with humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Paul is referring to our being able to maintain a stability of mind when we are going through our circumstances. That's all he's saying. And yet we make, we make the Bible say something it wasn't meant to say. When we rest in Christ, we begin to understand more and more what an awesome God we serve. Paul had very little, and Jesus had even less. The Bible says the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I like what Paul said in Timothy 1.6. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. And then the Bible says, for we have, we have brought nothing into this world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Once our value is rooted in a spiritual identity and not our earthly accomplishments, our purpose for this life is to know Christ and to live with him. We align our thoughts about ourselves with God's thoughts about us. What God says is true. And so we line our thoughts, what God says about us. And he tells us that we are holy, blameless. We're everything he wants us to be. 
There is a true knowledge of God, a true knowledge of his goodness, a true knowledge of his kindness, a true knowledge of his character and how good he is to us. Then there are those lofty motions, these notions, I should say, about him that are just not true. They're just not true. They seem to be true, and they seem to be right. They sound real religious, real religious. But the bottom line, it has a lot to do about our achieving for God. It's about the old ways to act. And when you do that, there's something wrong. And a lot of people come to the conclusion that there's something wrong with them simply because they, they acted out something they shouldn't. And so they think there's something wrong with them. But I can tell you right now, there is nothing wrong with you. Nothing. You are a new creature, the Bible says. You are a new creation. How could there be anything wrong with you? You are the righteousness of God. That's what the Bible says you are. You are holy. You are set apart. You are forgiven. You are sealed. You are seated in heaven. Spiritually, you're already there. You are complete. You have a new heart. You are perfect forever, according to Hebrews. Christ said, I am for you. I'm with you. And then he says, I am in you. Now, there is a spiritual battle that's taking place in our minds. And that's our battlefield. The Bible tells us that the flesh sets its desires against the spirit. And the spirit sets its desires against the flesh. The Bible says that the only thing that God has commissioned us to do he says, when you believe it all, walk by the Spirit. He doesn't ask you to fight that battle up there. The flesh is at battle with the Spirit. The Spirit's at battle with the flesh. He's not asking you to get in the middle. He's asking you to trust him that that's exactly what will take place. And you just walk by its side. You walk by the Spirit because the Spirit is in you. The goal is to know Jesus Christ in everything that we do. That's our goal in life, to see Christ in everything that we do. God has a purpose for every single one of us, every single one of us. His desire is only desire is to live his life in you and through you. How does that happen? 
Well, we are in control of one thing. We can choose to have him live his life in us and through us, or we can choose to walk by the flesh. When we walk by the flesh, we're never happy. We're never content. There's no satisfaction in it. And so he simply says, do what is easiest for you to do. And that is for the Christian to walk by the Spirit. For the Christian is to walk by the Spirit. That's the easiest thing for you to do because that is who you are. At your deepest core, you are everything that God says you are. Wow. What an awesome God we have. He's willing to live his life in us and through us. It affects just, it affects every part of our life, how we treat people, how we love people. Every aspect of our life, we live because Christ lives in us. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for all the promises that you have made to us. We're thankful, Lord, that you came and you knocked on the door of our heart. And we will praise you throughout eternity. And we are so thankful, Lord, that you have kept your word, that we are everything you say we are. Help us to not only believe it, but help us to embrace it. Oh, Father, I pray that as we give you permission to live your life in us and through us, that every day will be an exciting day. And every day will be a day that we can look at, lay our head on our pillow at night, and just say, thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you have done. Bless us now, I pray, for we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Grace Bible Fellowship in Front Royal, Virginia. If you'd like more information about our church, please go to www.gracebiblefellowshipchurch.org.